What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. going on everybody what is going on welcome welcome into the overreaction post game show and i just realized something i uh i need to change my graphics <laughs> my graphics say the overreaction podcast so i'm gonna have to get that done within the next week or so however i just want to say welcome into the overreaction post game show brought to you by the market dominator on the buffalo rumblings podcast network i'm your host joe miller i'm the voice of the overreaction post game show you can find me on twitter as always at joe miller wired it's so good to have all of you with me you guys are climbing into the into the into the streams climbing into the chats i appreciate it uh whether this uh podcast or i should say if you're in this right now uh with me live or you're listening to it one of the thousands of you that are going to listen to this throughout the week this coming week uh i wish i could say it was a victory monday week it's not going to be as you already know but uh whether this podcast finds you around a cup of coffee at the gym with your airpods in or watching me live right now on social media several different social media outlets let me just say one more time welcome before i get into anything um first of all we are super chat live and what that means is if you are watching me on YouTube right now and you want to get my attention, you want to ask me a question, you want to make a comment, what the, the thing that you need to do is super chat me. It's the only way I'm going to see it. I've got a bunch of notes. I'm basically podcasting, monologuing. I'm not ignoring you. So if you feel like you're being ignored, please don't feel that way. Uh, it's just the format of the show. So this is entertainment after all. And I'll do my best to potentially entertain you with this episode. However. We'll see how it goes, right? So uh, I do want to start here. I want to start with what an amazing weekend it was. Uh, aside from the loss, aside from the final score, the weekend was incredible. Uh, the amount of people that I got to meet, the amount of people, Bill's Mafia, that I got to interact with uh, between the Humpty Hotline Live at O'Neill's Stadium Inn uh, right across the street from the stadium on Wednesday to uh, the party at Soho's. The homecoming party at Soho's was awesome. Uh, it was it was an incredible party. If you missed it, make plans to be there next year. Uh, the skate party on Saturday was an incredible success. That was a lot of fun. I roller skated. Don't ask me why. I just did. And then uh, the tailgate today at Hammer's Lot was absolutely incredible. So it was all in all a fantastic weekend. It was somewhat emotional uh, seeing the fans back in the stage, the, the stadium rather. The first half of the game was electric. It was absolutely electric. We'll get to that in a moment to the point where I feel like the air felt like came out of the stadium. Uh, but uh, 
there's something different, right? There's something different about being one and oh versus oh and one. There's it's 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 when you're when you're in the season, when you're uh you know, four games in or six games in or nine, ten games in, and whatever your record is, there's something that feels different when you're one and oh. Right? Do you do you feel that? Do you get do you feel are you feel are are you all feeling that right now? Are you feeling how that feels different because the last couple of years we started the season one and oh leslie coming in bill's mafia co-founder leslie with the super chat thank you for the super chat thank you for being a part of the show had an absolute blast with every everyone this weekend leslie it was a thrill it was an absolute thrill to to get to meet you to get to know you to hang out with you absolute thrill thank you but one and oh feels a whole lot different than oh and one it's funny because when you're one and oh, it's like the season has begun exactly the way that it's supposed to, and it's Super Bowl or bust, which is where we were yesterday. <laughs> Dare I say this morning at 10 o'clock. When you're 0 and 1, it's the world is crashing in around us and all is lost, and there's no way the season is even going to be a success. It's weird how our perspectives can change like that. It just feels different. When you're when your football team is a legit Super Bowl contender. And they lose the first game of the season. I know that we want to believe and we feel that everything, like I just said, is lost. And I challenge you to fight against that feeling. This is how I'm going to start the show. I challenge you to fight against the feeling that everything is lost. Fight the need to be negative. There's a lot of negativity on social media right now. Fight the need to be negative. Now, I'm not saying that I'm going to like be this This show is going to go good. Like, Don't turn it off because you think I'm going to be nice to everybody. Like, you know, I'm going to somehow like sugarcoat all of this. That's not what's going to happen. I'm going to say some stuff. And tomorrow I expect John Fina on the off tackle with John Fina show to really bring it and talk about what he saw. Odd comes in. That's actually the name of the person super chatting. Odd comes in with a super chat. How many losing seasons started three and oh men got humbled. Probably a good thing. We are better as underdogs. I like that take. I like that take. This team seems to thrive a little bit. We saw it last year after the Arizona Cardinals game. This team seems to thrive in that kind of hungry and humble attitude, which somebody put in the chat in the comment section a couple minutes ago. Got to be humble and hungry. But fight the feeling to be negative. Fight that urge. Fight that. I'm 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 one of you guys. I'm Bill's Mafia. I, I am a son of Buffalo. I know that the mood of this, this city the mood of this city is different on Monday. John Fina is in the comment section right now. He knows that the mood, John, I got, when John was in town a couple of weeks ago, we got to sit and talk a lot. And John lived in, when he was a, a Buffalo Bill, he lived downtown in Buffalo. Nobody understands the mood of this city and the mood of this town more than John Fina does. He knows, we all know, we all feel it. Just fight the urge, fight the need, if you will, to be negative. This is what I would say. The last thing I'm going to frame, if you will, is. It's one game. And I know that everybody's saying that. However, think of it this way. There's an entire season left. And what I mean by that is there's 16 games left, which is a pretty typical, normal, what we're used to season, 16 games. There's 16 football games left to be played. So fight that need, fight that urge to be negative. However, I know what you want. You want somebody to make it all make sense, right? What happened? A bunch of you already in the comment section before the show even started. What happened? Make it make sense, Joe. Joe, make it make sense. 
I can't, I can't, I don't know that I can make it make sense. I can't, I don't know that I can, I don't know that I can sit here right now and tell you that I can make any of this make sense. And we're going to go through this together. And like I said on Twitter, it's going to be cathartic. We're going to get through this thing together. Make it make sense. I can't, we're going to try to make it make sense together. One thing I will tell you, and I'm telling you a lot of one things is there's a lot to process. There's a lot to process from this football game. A lot to take away. I'm, it's going to be difficult for me to watch this game again because it, it just, I don't want to relive it. <laughs> and you're going to hear why in a second. There's a lot to process. The defense looked great. Tremaine Edmonds looked really great. Tremaine Edmonds was no not going east and west. He was not reacting. To, what, to plays like he normally does. He was literally going north and south and by and large was attacking the, the, the line of scrimmage. Tremaine Edmonds looked fantastic. The defensive line was really good against the run and did some good things against the pass. Even though we did not hear the word or the names Obata, Epinesa, or Rousseau being called often and early and they weren't necessarily taking Ben Roethlisberger down every other play, the defensive line looked really good. This, this defense, in my opinion, is legit poised to return to its 2019 form, which is critical. Yes, they've got some things to clean up. They've got some things they need to address. But if this season is going to go the way that we all want, expect, and anticipate for it to go, they've got to return to the 2019 form. Right? The defense. I will say this. If somebody had warned me on Wednesday or even last night on the Bills Mafia Time to Shine show, if one of you had come on the Bills Mafia Time to Shine, the live call-in show that we're now doing uh, on Saturdays, and come in and, and you said, and, and you had told me before this game, hey, Joe, this is my moment to shine. This is my moment to like let the world hear my voice and hear my take, and this is my take. The football team that you love and know well is going to come out tomorrow and look nothing like the football team that you love and know. I literally would have called you a liar straight to your face. There is no way that the football team that I know is going to come out and look completely different than the football team that I know and love. It's not true. If you had told me that, I'd have pushed back about as hard as anybody could push back. We know who Josh Allen is. We know who this offense is. At least we thought we did. They looked Today, in this football game, they looked nothing like who we know they are. There's a lot of reasons why. I have a note here that says why, question mark. I, I don't have a reason why. There's not one single reason why. There's a lot of reasons why. Clearly, the run game is still an issue. Josh never seemed to find a rhythm. Whether you want to blame it on the flags, of which there was a lot of them, we're going to talk about those. If you want to talk about the offensive line that just didn't play great, at times they looked like they had never played together before. And frankly, they haven't. Josh felt, or it seemed that that Josh and the coaching staff or somebody inside the game plan somewhere was hesitant to push the ball down the field. And I don't mean deep shots. I mean, those intermediate balls, those, 10 to 22, 25-yard throws that Josh Allen makes a living on. Where were they today? There was a couple. That was it. A couple of them were dropped. A couple of them were caught. 
There were amazingly bad play calls at the worst times. Amazingly bad play calls. <laughs> we're going to talk about those in a minute. Dropped passes all over the field. Is any of this ringing a bell? The defense played great. There was amazingly bad play calls. There were drop passes all over the field, and Josh was a little unsettled and erratic. It felt, did it not legit feel like the Buffalo Bills from 2019? Because that's kind of what it felt to me. I sat in my seat in the stadium and was just, it just felt kind of icky. I didn't like it. That wasn't the team that I that I know and love. That was somewhat of the defense that I know and love, and it was nice to see them enter the building again. But the offense was not necessarily what we have gotten used to, right? Daniel Gower says Beasley had a couple drops, which is uncharacteristic. So did uh, Emmanuel Sanders. If I'm not mistaken, I think uh, Stephon Diggs dropped a ball or two. There's going to be a lot, and I'm not here to, as I see Bruce Nolan is in the chat, I'm not here to talk against or try to dissuade anybody from anybody else's opinion. There are contact uh, content creators out there that are smarter than me, that are better than me. This is just my show, and I have the microphone, and I get to say what I want to say. So some of the things that I'm going to say might not necessarily jive with, 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 with what other people or other content creators have said already today. And that's okay. I don't know that they're right. I don't know that I'm right. I don't know that they're wrong. I don't know that I'm wrong. John Fina says, none of them are more handsome than me. Well, thank you, John. <laughs> You're going to hear a lot this week. You're going to hear a lot this week from people because that's what people are supposed to say. And you're gonna hear a lot from probably Bills players. I didn't. I didn't get a single post game interview. I didn't. I didn't get to hear. Actually, it's not true. I heard about three minutes of Josh Allen's, and then it was the top of the hour, and the radio station had to break away to change shows. They couldn't let the interview play. They somehow had to change hosts, so they cut the interview short. You're gonna hear a lot of players say. You're gonna hear a lot of coaches say. You're gonna hear a lot of content creators say that that's a good football team over there. They get paid too. They've got a great defense. They got a great defensive player in TJ Watt, probably the best one in the NFL, aside from Aaron Donald. And you're going to hear a lot of stuff like that. This loss, you're also going to hear them say this loss may not be or isn't on the coaching staff or not completely on the coaching staff. I would agree. It's not completely on the coaching staff, but it's close. That team to me, that offense to me, was not ready to play football today. That's just my opinion from what I watched in the stands, and obviously you may have gotten a completely different perspective watching it on television, hearing the announcers and hearing different things. I haven't got a chance to watch it back yet. To me, that that game was about as on the coaching staff offensively as it could have been. You've, you've heard, if you've listened to this show for a minute, especially in 2019 when it started, You've heard me say over and over again, I cannot stand the excuse that, well, we just didn't execute. Well, we just didn't execute. And the reason that I used to not be able to stand that conversation or that excuse was because we had players back in 2019 when that was a hot thing to say, a fun thing for people to say. We had a team that couldn't execute. It wasn't a situation that they made a mistake or they didn't understand the play call or they turned left when they should have turned right or 
They just missed a, a pass or something. They were not the best football team. I didn't like that excuse of lack of execution when you're running Pat DeMarco on a go route and then throwing him a jump ball and the dude's got a six-inch vertical. That's not a lack of execution. The dude can't do it. This is completely different than that now. I would say that, and I'm not going to give percentages. If I'm going to say that there's a, a great deal of responsibility that's on the coaching staff, there's a great deal of execution on the players as well. The players did not execute in this football game. Not all of them. There were. I just said that like Edmonds had a great game. I felt Oliver had a great game. I thought I thought Gabe Davis had a great game. I've got I've got a new little kind of thing I want to do at the end of this. Uh, just a little a segment. Uh, Sal does thumbs up, thumbs down, or arrow up, arrow down. I got kind of a, kind of a fun one that I want to do. There were some good things that came out of this football game, but I was really confused by a lot of the coaching stuff. I didn't feel the players, specifically on offense, were ready to play from a detail-oriented standpoint. Right? And at the end of the day, the players have to execute. And the players that are on this football team are Super Bowl-quality caliber players. that they, they should be able to execute whatever they're being asked to execute. Whatever, whatever they're being asked. Right? Anthony throws up here. A flea flicker on third and one. <laughs> I'm going to talk about that play <laughs> because, yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. The story of this football game. I'm going to get in. I'm going to get in. I'm going to break down the story of this football game real quick. At least in my mind. Discipline and details. You can title the whole thing for me, discipline and details. The Bills had eight penalties for 81 yards. And most of those penalties were holding. I think they went around the horn. If you watch baseball, going around the horn is when a hitter, a batter, hits a single, a double, a triple, and a home run. He went around the horn. I think every single offensive lineman on our team had a holding penalty, and Dion had two. I don't I don't know. I don't know how that happens. Like you can't win football games. You want to talk about being taken out of rhythm. You want to talk about being taken out of any semblance of momentum. Those penalties do that, and they do it a lot. There was a couple great plays that were called back by holding penalties. Conversely, on the other side of the football, it legit caused a problem at times. We, we had them uh, fourth and whatever. Uh, Roethlisberger throws the ball down the field, and I know there's a lot of people, a lot of people in the stands too. I saw it on Twitter today. They felt that that, that was not pass interference by Levi Wallace. Yes, my friends, Bill's Mafia, that was pass interference. Textbook, textbook pass interference on that deep ball. They gave him a first down. He was running with the wide receiver, back turned to the ball. The receiver tried to make a play on the ball, slowed up so that he could catch the ball. Levi Wallace ran into him without looking at the football. That is the definition of pass interference. I'm sorry if that hurts your feelings. There was a lot of crap calls. As well, I'm not saying that the refs were good. I don't think the refs were necessarily good. They could have saved some of those flags. They didn't have to throw them all. Levi Wallace turns around in that on that throw. He probably catches it and has an interception. But because he didn't, the receiver slowed up. When he slowed up, Levi Wallace ran into him. The ball wasn't there yet. Pass interference. 
congratulations. You just gave him a first down and a lot of yards. Eight for 81 penalties. Somebody just put in the comment section that Dion had three. And I'm willing, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to give Dion rope. I mean, I know the dude's still coming back from COVID. I'm sure that he's still not necessarily completely all the way back from that. I'm, 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 I'm okay with that. The block punt was a thing of mysteries to me. I don't know what happened. Aside from the fact that there was a lack of execution on the special teams, and obviously the the guy that blocked the punt, his name escapes me right now, I'm sorry, uh, was literally standing in, in, in Hawk's lap. Hawk also kind of hitched his step. He got the ball, took a little skip to reset his feet, and then took two or three steps to punt it. You can't do that in the NFL. <laughs> this isn't college, bro. You can't do that stuff. Discipline and details. The story of this football game, discipline and details. How about this one? Fourth and one, failed attempt. Fourth and nine, failed attempt. How about we punt on fourth and three? Where's the consistency in this? Fourth and three, the Buffalo Bills punt. And Josh Allen's like, what are we punting for? And he's not wrong. Then they turn around and go for it on fourth and eight or fourth and nine. And as much as many of you were complaining about the flea flicker on third and one or third and whatever, how about a backwards pass to Matt Breida on fourth and one? Yes, I know what the expectation is. The expectation is they're going to execute that play. Breida's going to catch it, run around the corner. Gilliam's going to pick up that block. That ball gets snapped, right? Gilliam looks up, and his man that he's supposed to block isn't even there because he's behind him already. Josh Allen throws the ball at Matt Breida, sidearm, just like it's the Drew Bledsoe to Willis McGahee play in Seattle a million years ago, which was a brilliant play because it worked, right? And this one didn't. But in this situation, when you're on the struggle bus already as an offense, there's not a lot of good that's going to come from this play. It's a backwards pass. It's a free ball. If Josh misses him, it's a live ball. If Breida drops it, it's a live ball. If Gilliam misses his block, the dude is tackled. There's not a whole lot of greatness that's going to come from this play. What? I know that a lot of people don't like the word cute. That was a cute call, as just as as was the flea flicker. And I was talking with Sterling Furrow. Sterling Sterling was in town. I finally got to meet the man. I got to throw my arms around the man and hug him. And he's like, you know, we know that this is a team that does gadget plays. And he's not wrong. I know that Dable likes his gadget plays. And he's got very athletic offensive linemen or offensive players on this team. And he can do fun things. But when you're on the struggle bus and you're trying to find momentum, how about slapping your players in the back of the head and tell them to stop committing penalties first? Let's get a little bit of a drive going before we do something cute. The last thing you want to do if you're not executing the small thing is try to do a big thing. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work if, if you're tripping over your shoelaces. It's not time to run a sprint or a marathon. Tie your shoes first. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. 
You can find it on the PropG pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. I warned you at the top that it was not necessarily going to be nice. However, I'm still going to tell you what I told you before. Fight the urge to be negative this week. I'm not, the end of the world is not here. This football team is still a very good football team. I'm just telling you how I feel. My expectation is a lot of you feel similarly. It is what it is. The end of the world is not here. Jeff King, I love this. Extremely disappointing, especially being at the home opener. All the hype, the Tasker hype video. I get it. We're all disappointed. We got this. We will be here in the end. No worries. Go Bills. The the reality is, to Jeff's point, is we're probably going to face the Steelers in the playoffs. There's a good chance it's going to happen. Brian Bauer with a super chat. Super chat, rather. Welcome to the show, Brian. Appreciate you, bro. We must hold Josh Allen accountable for the many missed throws. I haven't gotten there yet, dude. Give me a chance. <laughs> as much as Dable had a horrible game plan and made no adjustments, Allen doesn't help with some of the big throws he missed. John Fien is in the room. John Fien is in the chat right now. Last year against the Steelers, John sent me a text message in that first half, and this game felt reminiscent to that game. Brian, thank you for the super chat. This game felt super reminiscent because they struggled in the first half. And then John sent me a text right before halftime and said, Dable and Josh have them figured out. Josh is going to roll them in the second half. And I was like, I don't think so, bro. (laughs) I was like, I don't think so, bro. That didn't happen. And what happened? The Bills came out and they rolled them. They made some adjustments and rolled them. It seemed like in this football game, literally they took the game plan or what worked, I should say, what what they did right, what, what they did well, in that game last year, and just thought, voila, it's going to work this time. Except for the fact that T.J. Watt was on fire. They now have another guy in Melvin Ingram, and they've got a couple other players, new players on that defense that are really, really good. Really good. It was a little bit frustrating. Coaching and execution. And to your point, Brian, Josh Allen was not sharp today. He was just a little bit off. And here's the thing. That is, oh, that's allowed. It's going to happen. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. There's no world where every single quarterback is going to be awesome every single time. I love this. This is a great teaser. Tomorrow night at 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, the Off Tackle with John Fina show right here on the Buffalo Rumblings Network. John is going to talk. He's putting this comment up. Tomorrow I'll tell you why TJ was so good today. If you, if you ever needed a teaser, that's about the best teaser that you could possibly get. And I'll be honest with you, John and I haven't corresponded other than a little bit during the game. He's got me excited to hear what he has to say, and I get to host this thing. So show up tomorrow. Do yourself a favor, show up tomorrow. John's going to lay it out for us. Josh Allen was not sharp in this football game. He just wasn't. No, it was, Outside of Gabe Davis, I don't know that anybody, there was just a lack of urgency. Even in the, I'm going to get to the plays here in a second. Even in the the final series, there was a lack of urgency. I'm getting ahead of my notes, but they, they get a first down, right? And they roll up to the line. The clock is ticking. They're six seconds or nine seconds. It was nine seconds away from the two-minute warning. And they're kind of like up there like, okay, everybody's kind of milling around a little bit. Josh Allen snaps the ball just after, or I should say Mitch Moore snaps the ball just after they blow the whistle to end the to, to, to call the two-minute warning. And Josh is like, what are you kidding me? 
There was no sense of urgency. Run up to the line, spike the ball. Situational awareness. Right? I don't know why Josh, as I said, I don't know if it was a coaching thing. I don't know if it was a game plan thing. John can probably speak to what Josh was seeing, why he was not pressing the ball or taking those intermediate throws that he loves so much. I don't know. I don't have these answers, but it was noticeably not there. Noticeably not there. David, oops, David Reed said Josh was off, but the O-line took him here, took him there. That's not, that's not an unfair assessment. It very much was the O-line did, did not do him any favors. They're great dudes. I want to see these guys succeed. I believe in them. I think that they can be great. They've got to figure some stuff out, especially in the run game. Stretch plays didn't work. Outside of a couple runs by Devin Singletary, the run game was not efficient and not effective. And that's what they came into the season saying. We got to be more efficient, more effective. First quarter. Bills finished the quarter 3-0. and I need to say this real quick because this was apparently a thing. Beasley was tweet, uh, trending on Twitter today. Cole Beasley catches his first pass in the first quarter. Right? The crowd, you guys hear something on television and Twitter catches fire with the Bills fans are booing Cole Beasley because he hasn't gotten his COVID shot. I was in the stands, ladies and gentlemen, and when Cole Beasley caught that pass, the entire crowd didn't go boo. They went bees. They were cheering for Beasley, bees. And I mean by an overwhelming majority, so much so that you heard it on the television. 80, 90% of the crowd, bees. Not boo, bees. So I just want to get that kind of straight, straight. But let's talk about a good thing. How is everybody's feeling about Isaiah McKenzie? I thought, he, you know, if we're going through this first quarter real quick and we're going to go through all four quarters very fast. That opening kickoff was exciting and electric. I felt like he could have made one cut and it probably would have got him there. He made a cut and it got him tackled, but that's fine. At that point, he I'm guessing he was probably a little bit gassed. He's probably a little bit gassed. Isaiah McKenzie was great. I thought he did, I thought he had a relatively decent day returning kicks. No, he's not Andre Roberts at this point. Nobody's asking him to be Andre Roberts, but that that kick return, he had another one that he returned to the 41. He had one that he wanted back. He had one that he fair caught. When he caught it, he looked up, and the defenders were nowhere near him, and he knew he made a mistake on a punt. I'm excited to see Isaiah McKenzie. The first quarter, though, man, was a grind. And frankly, the whole day, the whole entire day for the Bills offense, as I said before, they were on the struggle bus. Super big grind. Every time they got something going or tried to get something going, they'd shoot themselves in the foot. Way too many holding calls. We've addressed it. Mar uh, Mario Addison shows up huge with a strip sack. Yes, they got the ball, but that strip sack was big. The building was electric. The defense was electric. We talked a little bit already about the digs play. I want to break that digs play down because I want to give credit where credit credit is due. Whether it's John or somebody like that. Uh, oh, somebody's asking me a question. Joe, Peter asks me, 
Tell me in person, could he have kept running to the right after he cut and score? I'm not sure why he cut back into the tackle. Yes. So that was, it was almost, it was reminiscent, Peter uh, J516. It was reminiscent to what he did in, in the Miami game last year where he was cutting a lot versus just going. Andre Roberts, when he gets the ball, goes. Isaiah goes, and then he starts to kind of cut a little bit. I think it's because he's getting tired, and he's trying to juke more so than outrun. But yes, to your point, I felt like had he kind of stuck with where he was going, he probably could have made it, but he cut back and kind of cut back into the into the tackler. But um, I, I don't remember the defender getting back to the, the Diggs flea flicker play. I'm sitting there. It happened right in front of me. It happened le legitimately right in front of me, my side of the field or my side of the end zone. And I want to give credit where credit is due because that was a fantastic play. It was a little cute. <coughs> Excuse me. But you need to give credit to the defender specifically on this play. Josh Allen hands the ball off to Devin Singletary. It's third and one. Singletary flips it back to him. And I'm like, wait a second. My first thought, there's only one wide receiver in the pattern. Legitimately, Joe Miller's first thought when, he, when, when Singletary stopped, flipped the ball, because I know what you see on TV is different than what I can see from the field. Flicks it back to, to Josh. And my first thought is there's only one wide receiver in the pattern. And it was Diggs. He's double covered. And I'm like, how is this going to work? The only thing I could think at the moment was they were expecting the safeties to suck up, and they didn't. Well, Diggs also knew he was double covered. So what he did was he broke to his left. And when he broke to his left, he was immediately open. And Josh Allen waited for him. Josh had the ball and was like, you need to do something. <laughs> Because <laughs> it's third and one, I now have a flea flicker, and you're my only guy. Like, go do something. Stefan Diggs cut to his left, and that's when Josh was like, and you saw him kind of hop. He hopped and then threw the ball. At the at the time when the ball was thrown, the defender, whoever was covering, uh, it might have been Minka Fitzpatrick, I'm not sure. Whoever's covering Diggs was was out of position. The recovery that he made was tremendous. It was it, it was tremendous the recovery to get back in and swat that football. That, that play didn't bother me as much as some of the other ones, like the fourth and nine, uh, like the non-punt, or I should say the punt on fourth and three. That, to me, was just an, ex an amazingly well-executed defensive play from a defender that recovered when he was completely out of position. Completely out of position. But the first quarter was a defensive battle, and obviously a lot of it was because the defense showed up for the Buffalo Bills the defense for the Steelers was doing a good job and the Bills were at the same time shooting themselves in the foot, whether it was through execution or just details, right? Which we talked about. We talked about discipline and details. Second quarter of this football game, it's fourth and three. They elect to punt after a missed opportunity. It's just a bad throw. I mean, Allen gets strip sacked by Watt. It's been the, the whole the whole quarter was a grind. The whole the whole entire game was a grind. The funny thing about it, I felt in this moment in the second quarter, I felt like that game could have been twenty one nothing Buffalo if there weren't so many flags being thrown, if there weren't so many holding calls being thrown. And at the very same time, I'm thinking to myself as I'm sitting in the stands, man, the run defense looks really good. <laughs> the run defense looks really good. Give me more of that. Third quarter, I start to think to myself, you know, as the Bills are winning this football game, I think it was, was it 10 to 6 at that point or something. They can mess around and lose this football game. 
The Steelers, or it wasn't 10 to 6. I'm sorry. It was, uh, I think it was 10 nothing going in the half. And then, uh, and then the Steelers open up on the first drive. They get three points. And that's when I was thinking to myself, because they let them march right down the field. Like they could mess around and lose this football game. All of a sudden, we start to see a little bit of Matt Breida. Didn't need to see any more of Matt Breida. That <laughs> was just me. I don't know what they were, if, if the Steelers were just scheming, scheming him well, if they were prepared for him. Whatever the plans were, whatever the schemes were, the stuff that we saw in preseason did not really seem to uh, amount to anything. Buff Hub says, Melvin Ingram was their X factor, in my opinion. You're not wrong. He was all over the field. Him and TJ Watt were just crushing the Bills offense today. Crushing it. Havoc, wreaking havoc. Havoc wreakers out there. Which I think yesterday in the pregame show, I said... Outside of T.J. Watt, they don't really have any Havoc Reekers. I think I said that. I may be wrong. But they showed today that they do. Eli Padilla says, Joe, is cornerback to an issue yet or no? What do you think? I'm going to save that one for John tomorrow. Eli, come back tomorrow. I'm going to save that one for John. Because John and I talked about that situation at length several times. So, John, if you're still watching, taking notes, get ready to talk about Levi Wallace. Fourth quarter. That's where the pat, that's where that, that I got ahead of myself. When, remember, if you remember, I told you I was getting ahead of myself in my notes, fourth and one quarterback pass to Brita, dangerous and dumb. And it didn't work. That was the moment. I think the score was seven. Uh, no, they, they scored. Where's my notes at? Or not my notes. Uh, the end of the third quarter, it was what? Uh, 10 to six, right? So we were going into the fourth quarter. I should say fourth quarter. That was the moment when they did, when they made that play, when they did that fourth and one, you literally felt the air leave the stadium. That's when everything was just like, oh, this is a problem. And, and like, and if you've been in a stadium where something like that, ha- it was a momentum changer, a momentum shifter, even more so than the block punt, which is coming up as well. It's about to happen. The Wallace pass interference happens. Wallace gives up a touchdown on a tremendous recovery by Deontay Johnson. Then the block punt happens that we talked about. The Bills offense just doesn't look sharp. You're sitting there thinking to yourself, how does this happen? How does this happen? And then I talked about this already, the final series. There was just no urgency. No urgency in that final series. They're down two possessions. <clears throat> it's a two-minute drill. They had a chance to catch a couple guys off offsides. They did once. There was just no real urgency there. Snap the ball as the warning expires to kick a field goal with a minute left, which I know I've heard announcers talk about that before. You need the field goal. Kick the field goal. Why do you, you continue to try for the touchdown when you need the field goal? Like, why waste all of your time? So it was kind of neat, I'll say. Neat, maybe. I'm losing my voice from the game today, so I apologize. It was kind of neat to see a team take that opportunity. You know what? It's first down. Let's just kick the field goal, and we'll try the onside kick. Take the points instead of wasting all of our time on the clock to get the to get the touchdown and then have no time for the field goal. So we saw that kind of take place today. Didn't work, but we saw it, right? Because they didn't recover the onside kick, which somebody want to ask Bruce Nolan about those numbers, those percentages. I'm going to jump over to the stats real quick as we've now gone through the football game. Josh Allen was 30 of 51 for 270 yards with a touchdown. Devin Singletary, because of three really good runs, was 11 for 72 with a six and a half yard average. 
doesn't seem like he ran that well. And it's funny because I said they were not running the ball more effectively and efficiently. You can't pick up 40 yards in three runs or three carries and then say, we did a great job today. You just can't. Josh Allen was 9 of 44. Rushing Matt Breed was four for four yards. Isaiah McKenzie, one for three. They, that jet sweep, jet sweep got sniffed out in a hurry. They ran it one time in a hurry. Stephon Diggs was nine for 69. Cole Beasley, eight for 60. Emmanuel Sanders, four for 52. Was wide open on that first ball to him. Wide, stinking open, and Josh overthrew him. And then he had that other drop that was just not a great drop. Dawson Knox, four for 41. Dawson had a great game. Gabriel Davis, two for 40. Devin Singletary, three for eight. I have a new little segment before I read tweets. I'm going to be reading your guys' tweets here in a second. And as much as people do thumbs up, thumbs down, people do arrow up, arrow down. I'm going to do dude, like dude, you did it. And dude, (laughs) I don't know. It might not stick. My first candidate for dude is Tremaine Edmonds. We talked about him a little bit already. I thought Tremaine had a very good game. Second candidate for dude, Ed Oliver, right? Give me some more of that, Ed Oliver. Ed Oliver had one, what I would call near penalty. It was in the first half. I think it was in the second quarter. Uh, the wide receiver dropped the ball, and Ed Oliver took about three steps and then chipped him with his right shoulder. And I thought for sure it was going to draw a penalty. I loved seeing that out of that Ed Oliver. I loved seeing uh, just that chippiness. It was fantastic to me. Gabe Davis gets the dude award. Dawson Knox gets the dude award. But if we jump conversely over to the dude, right? The first one I'm going to give it to is the entire offensive coaching staff. The next dude is going to go to Josh Allen. <laughs> the next dude after that's going to go to the offensive line. And then, unfortunately, we'll talk about this guy tomorrow. The last dude goes to Levi Wallace. Levi Wallace. Yeah. Take a little bit of a break here. Two seconds. Do me a favor. I am sponsored by the Market Dominator, who is just an awesome and incredible dude. And for some reason, his video that I had here is gone. So maybe I'm not going to show that to you. I thought for sure it was here. Oh, I know why. Two seconds for me. Um, but uh, I, I want to show you this video of John Spaschek, the Market Dominator. If you're, if you're looking to buy a home, if you're looking to sell a home, I got to pay the bills, ladies and gentlemen. If you're looking to, uh, you know, what I would consider get the most value out of your home that you can possibly get then i would tell you that you want to go mafia oh, and that was literally you want to go with the guy you want to go with the right team right and it's all about team football sports is about the team it's about who you have around you i've used john in the past john has done a great job of helping me helping a lot of my friends if you're looking if you're market market to buy a home sell a home give john a call take a listen to this real quick to the overreaction sports podcast delivered to you by my good friend joe miller the voice this is your show sponsor, The Market Dominator. That's right, it's me, John Spaschak, Associate Real Estate Broker with Keller Williams Realty. And I'm here tonight to talk about one thing, Joe's tagline or phrase that he's coined, Wildest Dreams Land. Folks, we are experiencing Wildest Dreams Land with the Buffalo Bills. Don't take one day of it for granted. But I'm also here to tell you that we are experiencing wildest dreams land in real estate as well. And I'm here to tell you, I've been working as hard as Josh Allen 
to bring you the absolute best, most excellent performance from a realtor that you will find in Western New York. And that's why we've had a tremendous amount of success. So with our cutting edge strategies and with our hard work, we want to win for you in this super competitive market just the way that the Bills are winning day in and day out on the practice field and soon to be week in and week out on the game field. So folks, will you call me directly because I will answer my phone at 716-570-3298 if you're even thinking or considering about selling or buying a property. Go Bills. That's my guy, John. And uh, a lot of you got to meet John this weekend, which was really, really cool. John was out and about with us and uh, he was at uh, the Dan Dawkins party. He was at uh, the, the O'Neill's live taping. It was a lot of fun. So those of you that got to meet him, he's a good dude. So, but uh, yeah, if you're looking to buy a, buy or sell a home, or if you know somebody that is, have, give him John's number, which is great. Lone Wolf says, says he mutes commercials. Sorry. <laughs> I, I don't mute them, but uh, yeah, it, I try to, I try to record things and fast forward through them, but uh, oops, that's what I'm looking for. Chris E. asks me, what's your season prediction now after week one since uh, many had Bills winning week one? My season prediction does not change. I'm at 13-4. and four. I'm going to remain at 13-4. and four. I think the Bills have a tough schedule. They got some hard games on their schedule, and I expected you know, a letdown game uh, inside of that schedule. I don't think they're going to lose to the Titans, to the Chiefs, and uh, to the Buccaneers. And I think that there's games in there like this one that the Bills could potentially drop in, in a loss. Um, so that's where I'm at. I'm still at 13-4. and four. Ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. It has been months and months and months since I did this, since I got to read the tweets of Bill's Mafia. Every single, for those of you, those, those of you that are not familiar, every time after the overreaction post-game show when I'm done with all my monologue stuff, to finish the show, to wrap it up, what I do is I take the last couple minutes to read the feelings of the Bill's Mafia, and I send this tweet out about 15 minutes after the game ends. People then tweet me back, right? And then I get to read them on the show. So if you are on Twitter, do yourself a favor. Uh, be looking, be on the lookout for this message. Basically, it just says, overreaction postgame show, how does this game have you feeling, Bills Mafia? Let me know, reading your tweets on the show live at 9 p.m. tonight. Uh, find that tweet and then tweet at me, and I'll read your tweet on the show. So the first one comes from Apex00 at Apex006, my guy. Confused. I didn't understand the game plan. Also, with uh, also the fourth down calls were odd to me. Why would we pass a 50-yard field goal to go for it on fourth and eight and don't get me started on the fourth and one play call? Either way, we still have a long season ahead of us and a lot of work to do. It's great. I would tell Apex the same thing that I'm telling you guys. Fight the negativity. Fight the need to be negative. It's only one game. I know that 1-0 feels completely, utterly different than 0-1. Fight the negativity. Andrew, uh, at Andrew underscore GK11. Bills had more passing yards, more rushing yards, uh, more uh, more plays, more time of possession, more yards per play. Some uh, he had, They had some O-line struggles. They let off to an off day with Josh, and play calling, in my opinion, didn't help. Blocked punt difference in score. On to Miami. Work, work, work. That is fantastic per, uh, perspective, Andrew. I appreciate that. More passing yards, more rushing yards, more plays, more time of possessions. All the things you want to hear, right? All the things you want to Legit, it comes down to what we talked about. Discipline and details. Discipline and details. Discipline and de details, by the way, is a coaching staff thing. Discipline and details. So just throwing that out there. My guy, Saxon Dave, who a lot of you got to meet yesterday on the Time to Shine show, all the way from the UK, at Saxon Dave. 
It's the overreaction show, but let's not overreact. Hoping for a sim- similar bounce back that we got after the uh, Arizona Cardinals game last year. 16-1, still on the cards. Uh, th- or still in the cards, rather. That said, bad game. Poor play calling, poor execution, poor decision making, terrible officiating. We reset and go again, go Bills. He says, he finishes up with, I felt like Dable thought he just needed to show up. Tried to be too cute. Steelers are a good team. Not every team will be able to bring that much pressure. That's something to talk about. The Steelers have a very, very good defense. However, we can have the conversation that the Bills beat every very good defense that they faced last year. So to his point, they are a good defense. But we need to see improvement, though. If we're this poor next week, overreaction will be an understatement. He's not wrong. Grant Turner, at Grant Turner underscore 14. O-line has to protect better in pass protection. Run blocking was solid enough. Um, Maybe. I got to watch the tape. <laughs> uh, Stefran at Stefran 14. A lot of 14s up in here. O-line and CB2 are a huge concern. We'll see. There's a lot of football left. Uh, <clears throat> there's a lot of opportunity for them to address both. The, the Buffalo Bills, in my opinion, need to decide with this offensive line, are they going to be pin and pull? Or are they going to be a, a wide zone? And it seemed like they're still not sure. And they're still not playing the right scheme for the guys they have up front. My guy, Richard Rush, who's in the chat right now, at Richard Rush 2, Richard R. Rush 2. I agree with my bro from across the pond, Saxa Dave. Bad play calling, like the fourth and one play. Josh was also off. We should have run more. I didn't see Harry, he means Harrison Phillips, until the fourth quarter, and he was in the backfield every snap he took. Bad on special teams, hurting and disappointed, but it's not over. Hashtag go Bills. Love it, Richard. You're the man. Chef at the Critical Chef. Number one, horrible offensive play calling. There's a theme here. Are you guys getting it? Two, run the ball more. Another theme. Uh, Three, why all the cutesy stuff on fourth down? We've got a third theme. Number four, uh, we continue to need better athletes at the cornerback position. You should not have a 5'10 cornerback covering a 6'4 wide receiver in Chase Claypool. I would tend to disagree. I don't think that's completely... There's not a lot of 6'4 cornerbacks. So 5'10", you probably don't want a 6-inch discrepancy, but by and large, they should be able to do their job, in my opinion. Chef has continued. This is why I was very much calling for us to draft someone like uh, Nezraldine. And Levi Wallace continues to be a liability in coverage. He lacks the athleticism to stay with the better receivers, so he grabs a lot. We'll talk about it tomorrow. That's second teaser. So second teaser to be on the John, uh, the off-tackle John Fina show tomorrow. We're going to talk about Levi Wallace, and we're going to talk about that uh, offensive lineman, why they had so much trouble with uh, both Ingram and TJ Watt. My guy Brian Bowers, at B underscore easy four. Uh, I'll give the Steelers their well-deserved credit, but that game plan from Dable was not good, and the lack of adjustments was even worse. Five wide receivers, that's most of the game against Watt. They went five wide, and they weren't all receivers. They, they were in 11 personnel, if I'm not mistaken. Singletary was on the field. They just kept running him out, so he was the fifth wide receiver. Five wide receivers most uh, five wide receiver sets most of the game against Watt, Hayward, and Ingram was dumb. We made it easy for them to tee off on the line. And Josh, come on, Dable. Second thought, he says Josh was off, and the receivers dropped a few passes. It's all true. They looked out of sync, but nothing that can't be fixed going forward. Also true. Lastly, the guard play is exactly what we expected. Not great. That's what we get for not addressing it in the offseason. Ford question mark shaking my head. I did not get a very good glimpse or look at the guard play, so I cannot necessarily comment on that right now. Chris Frampton, welcome back in the show. Good to see you, bro. At C underscore F. I feel like this was our wake the F up game, but we got it out of the way week one. We rode into this game with our highest hype in the past 20 years. You're not wrong. Rebound next week. 
and squish the fish. Can we start those chants now? Squish the fish. Let's squish the fish. Big Poppy, what's cooking? Uh, I can't see your handle here. Uh, at Lima Bulldog at 941. What's up, Big Poppy? I see the sads, many sads, but I also have hope in the process. I do too, brother. So I think they'll get it figured out. My girl T Estelle at T E E Stell S T E L L T Estelle. This game was a mess. I loved the way our defense stopped the run, but the holding call was crazy. Uh, yeah, the holding calls were out of, out of yeah, they were just nuts. But uh, the defense played really well. A uh, couple more for you guys. Jack Nealon at J Nealon forty one. Another. This isn't fourteen. It's four one. Got a lot of four ones, ones and fours in this one, which is wild. Seemed like we should have had a lot more pressure with the revamped defensive line and Steelers' young offensive line. What happened? Also, was Cody Ford our best offensive lineman today? It's funny, and I this is what I just said I can't speak to. One person said Ford, Ford didn't play well. This person saying they think that Ford was our best offensive lineman. I have not watched the tape back. I couldn't tell you. Uh, so, yeah, that's just where I'm at. So, and then somebody else said, yeah, they think that he was. Amanda uh, is actually in the chat right now. At Amanda Davy 23, it's one game. Tampa Bay lost their first game last year, too. We learn from this and move on. Well said. Above average Bills fan. Uh, not feeling good about that play calling. Offense did not click. Defense was great until the second half. They were actually really good in the second half, too. I don't want to say they weren't great. Keep in mind, they got seven points off that block punt. Uh, put any other QB in there in front of that defense, and they'll crumble. Ben just had a superior reaction time. Ben does get the ball out very, very fast, which obviously you saw today, plus awful calls and non-calls. Week two, next. You can see everybody's looking forward. This is exactly what we want to be doing. We want to be looking forward. Tom Allen at Tom Allen, Western New York. The offensive game plan was arrogant, empty sets, five wide. They have to show the threat of the run. You're not wrong. TJ in Atlanta at that dude, D-A-T, dude, 404. It's awesome. Offense looked putrid. Wide receivers dropping passes. Allen off target and deep shots. O-line got worked. Levi Wallace had some bad luck and made some bad plays. Like I said, we're seeing a lot of uh, similarities here. The last one for you guys tonight. Rafa at Rafa Lopez 78 cheering from Mexico City. Rafa, welcome into the overreaction post game show. He's been cheering for Mexico City since 1988. Today was a lesson. We were not hungry nor humble. Penalties, overthrows, poor defensive coaching or poor offensive coaching. I'm sorry, he did not say defensive, poor offensive coaching. We were looking for a Super Bowl and forgot to play humble and hungry game by game. Hashtag go Bills. I don't know if I missed any super chats. I don't think I did. But ladies and gentlemen, those were your tweets on the overreaction post game show. Whew. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready for next week. I'm ready to move on to my I'm on to Miami. Are you on to Miami? Where I'm not going to be negative. I'm not going to let this game affect I I'm not going to let I'm not going to let 0 and 1 affect my Monday or my Tuesday because it's one game. We've got 16 wonderful beautiful games left. We're getting peaks and peers into a defense that hopefully is returning to form. I believe it is. And all we need is this offense that we know, this quarterback that we know, this offensive coaching staff that we know and love them all to return to form. And if they do, it's still, ladies and gentlemen, Super Bowl or bust. But you guys have been listening to, tuned into, or watching the overreaction post-game show brought to you by the market dominator on the Buffalo Rumblings multicast network my name is joe miller i'm your host the voice of the overreaction post game show my name is joe miller and you can find me on twitter at joe miller wired i love you guys i appreciate you guys again tomorrow night the off tackle with john fina show live right here on youtube facebook and twitter 
9 o'clock p.m. We're going to talk about Levi Wallace. We're going to talk about T.J. Watt and that offensive line against us. We're going to talk about great things. John's going to break the game down for you. We're going to have a lot of fun. Do not miss it. Ladies and gentlemen, until next time, as always, go Bills. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.